paved with gold Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones Of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house Where the citizens like to sit They say they want the kingdom But they don't want God in it Yeah, I went with nothing Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have friends or family who do not have the show where they live, give them a call. Tell them to go to www.bornagainmormon.com. Click on the TV show, and there'll be instructions there on how to get the show live from anywhere in the world. So we welcome you to do that in the house tonight. We have a small but formidable group. Sometimes we have 50, sometimes we have two. Tonight we have four manly men. We have Dan, Matt, Jed, and Jerry. And uh, it's great to see them, great to have them here tonight. Last night we had our monthly traveling pastor at the Denny's right here in town. We figured we'd do them all over the state and other places, let's do it here in town. And we had a small group there too, actually. But uh, afterward, we had a great experience. The um, Adventure, Adventure Church, the pastor Ed, right there across the street from Liberty Park, uh, stayed and opened up the church for us. And we had an open, non-denominational, come to Jesus, pro proclaim him publicly, baptism. And two men, we had three scheduled, but one, uh, the water was so cold. It was river freezing cold. Uh, no no fault of Pastor Ed's, it's just the way things happen. And so uh, we did those baptisms, and I have to admit, they were probably the most humorous baptisms I've ever done, because when these guys, uh, Jed and Dean, went down in the water, <laughs> they were just shocked. They were shocked. The water was so cold. And they came up, and, and we had it on film. But our tech guy, something happened, uh, and we weren't able to do it, but our congratulations and our love to Jed and Dean, who publicly uh, committed their life to being a faithful believer and follower of Jesus Christ. We love you. Remember, coming up in February, uh, Sunday evening, February 3rd, and Monday evening, February, February 4th, we're going to be in Boise, Idaho, actually in Nampa, Idaho. And uh, for our fans and foes to come to a traveling pastor in the pub. So listen, on February 3rd, from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., there at KCLP, the station, we're going to have an open house. We had one here at KTMW. Uh, there in Idaho, we're going to have an open house. You can come. You can see the station. I'll be there. The people who have shows will be there, and we'll be able to meet and greet. And then the next night on Monday, we're going to be at the Nampa Denny's. From 6 to 8 p.m., we'll talk, and then afterward, we're going to have an open baptism again for people of Idaho who uh, don't want to necessarily uh, do it some other place or, have an, or don't have a relationship with a pastor or a church there to come and profess uh, their faith in Jesus. 
The, the station in Idaho is 309 11th Avenue South. 309 11th Avenue South. It's right next to the Taco Time, if that helps. And that's in Napa. And then Denny's is in Napa, and we'll give instructions. You can always go to www.bornagainmormon.com, and we'll have the information as to the where, whens, as that day approaches. You know, as I travel uh, about quite often in the airlines and on land, I have the opportunity to quietly observe lots of people. I listen to their conversations, and I hear their lips convey what's truly on their hearts. I watch body language and facial expressions, and I'm able to dialogue with a variety uh, of people from all different faiths, but a lot of LDS. At the Long Beach airport last week, three young men, uh, two of them returned missionaries, came up and asked if they could sit next to me and talk to me as we waited for the plane. And so often these impromptu meetings and, e and emails, the members of the church, of the LDS church, who have seen the show or know the website, know the ministry, they actually, they believe that they have some kind of, of angle or perspective that I never heard or learned in my 40 years as a member. And, and they come up and they usually, their intentions are very good and they're very polite and kind. And uh, I like them when they just start coming and want to talk casually. But you have to understand something. Those questions and the delivery, when you've done this, you hear them, and I want you to know, Latter-day Saints, I know you think you're really giving original information, but almost, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, it is a regurgitation of something you've been taught. And it's a regurgitation of a bias or a limited scope view of something you've been taught. And when you present it and I come and I give you some alternate view or some other thing to look at, it blows you away or you don't believe it or you think I have some vested interest in lying to you. But I want you to know those facts are there and they're there to see and find. And there's a lot of very good internet sources that you can go to, reliable ones. There's some bad ones too. And that's why I'm constantly pushing UTLM, www.utlm.org. And that's Utah Lighthouse Ministry. It's been around for 40 years, I think, or more. And they do their homework and they're reliable and you can check your facts and sources there. And I highly recommend them. I've always said, don't trust me. Go and look at the source. Last year, we spent an entire year on Joseph Smith's life. These boys in the airport, they had no idea of even the minor things we were mentioning on the show last year. No idea. They thought I was making it up. And then when I'd, I'd tell them I'm not making it up, where did you get your source? Where did you get this? History of the church. Oh, come on. That's not true. And so you just, if you want to know the facts, you got to search. Go to utlm.org. I highly recommend it. People have asked, why are you constantly recommending them? The, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. They've done the work, it's, it's professional, it's well done. You go to that site, I don't need to recommend all the other ones that are out there trying to do the same thing. It's right there and it's well done. Okay, um, also in light of those conversations I have, there is a sub theme that constantly goes on and I learned that Mormonism, in Mormonism, Jesus is a branch, he is not the trunk. Jesus is a chapter of a book, he is not the book. It, it, the central message of our ministry is to help you, as a Latter-day Saint, come to know Jesus through spiritual rebirth. So when a Christian walks up to you and says, have you been born again? You can say, yes, absolutely. It's a miracle. It's amazing. I can't believe I have such a new life. And then with that experience so 
concretely in your heart, you're going to be able to walk forward in a relationship with him from there on out. That's the objective of the ministry. Some interesting information of late. Got an email from A. True Ott, a PhD. He's a great guy. Gives me a lot of information. And uh, this is from, according to the U.S. Uh, Census Statistics, the LDS Church is constantly touting, at least on the message boards and the blogs, that they are the fastest growing religion in the world. And, and quite frankly, the U.S. Census uh, says not even close. And in fact, in change in percentage points, the LDS Church has shrank. And this is with a missionary force of, of uh, unbelievable numbers out there in the U.S., pounding the pavement, pounding on doors. When you take all types of things into account, like uh, culture-driven birth rates and things like that, in the uh, 50 states, uh, LDS membership is actually decreasing. And so they are scrambling. Uh, so don't buy into that rhetoric. If you're impressed by churches that are growing, I'm really not, but if you're impressed by churches that are growing fast, LDS Church is not one of them, according to the U.S. Census. Another interesting thing is there is an article written by an LDS man in the Salt Lake Tribune opinion page, Sunday, January 6, 2008, page 6 by a Nathan B. Oman. And it's he after saying he's a Latter-day Saint, he's talking about Romney being in office. He says, quote, So long as a Mormon cannot be elected president because he is a Mormon, I am a second-class citizen part of a clan disqualified from full political participation. In short, the possibility that a Mormon is de facto ineligible for the presidency throws the full citizenship of all Mormons into question. And I'd just like to ask Mr. Nathan B. Oman, can a communist be a full citizen of the United States? Yes, they can. Should a communist be the president? No, they shouldn't. Can a felon a convicted felon be a full member of the United States citizen? Yes, they can. Should or can they be the president? No, they can't. Should a fundamentalist Islam Shiite out there to uh, present uh, jihad on American citizens, can they be a full-fledged American citizen? Yes, they can. Should they be the president? No, they shouldn't. And you may say, well, why do you keep pushing this? Let me give you a few quotes to help you out with why. This is from Joseph Smith Jr., History of the Church, Volume 6, page 290. Quote, the time has now come to tell why we held secret meetings. We were maturing plans 14 years ago, which we can now tell. When God sets up a system of salvation, he sets up a system of government. When I speak of a government, I mean what I say. I mean a government that shall rule over temporal and spiritual affairs. Sidney Rignan says, A man is not an honorable man if he is not above the law and above government. The law of God is far more righteous than the laws of the land. The laws of God are far above the laws of the land. The kingdom of God does not interfere with the laws of the land, but keeps itself by its own laws. Going on, and by the way, this is from, uh, I won't say who it's from because I can't remember if... Tim wanted me to, but it's from Tim. Uh, prophet of the LDS Church, John Taylor, says, We used to have a difference between church and state, but now it is all one. Thank God. And uh, it goes on and on. I have several other uh, uh, attempts and questions about how the LDS Church has always sought to take over. Let me read one more here. Now let us notice our political position in the world. What are we going to do? We are going to possess the earth. Why? 
because it belongs to Jesus Christ and he belongs to us and we to him. We are all one and will take the kingdom and possess it under the whole heavens and reign over it forever and ever. That's prophet and president of the church, John Taylor, General of, Journal of Discourses, volume one, page 230, April 8th of 1853. This is scratching the surface with their political theoc theocratic drive to take over the world. Mitt Romney, again, as a man, he may be a very good man, I don't know. He may be a very good president, don't know and don't care. But Mormonism does not deserve a Mormon president. Okay, uh, let's continue on. In the past six months, listen, in the past six months, if you have come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ because of some connection to the show, if you're now attending a Christian church, if you've come out of Mormonism, please email us. Go to Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at bornagainmormon.com. And it, this will be a private communication between you and me. And, and give me a way that I can contact you. If it's by email, that's fine. And I just want to talk to you about something. So if that has happened in your life, I would love to hear from you within the next few days. Just drop an email and say, listen, because of your show, I started questioning the things I've always been taught. I started praying. I've come to know Jesus in a new light. I have several of those emails, many of them, but I would like to hear uh, from you directly. Okay, with that, let me take a quick drink and we'll have a prayer. And this is not this is not a drink. This is Diet Coke. And then we will uh, and we'll go into the tonight's message. All right. Dear God, we thank you for this airtime and we thank you for the opportunity to talk to people about you. And we pray that your uh, message will come through and uh, mine will just fall on the floor and die if it's about me. And also let our callers uh, come through with probing questions, things they want to know. Let L LDS callers who wonder and are searching and are, uh, who may be afraid to call to find the courage to call tonight and talk to us about their faith, their beliefs, and, the, and their perspectives. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> What Joseph Smith was everything, if Joseph Smith was everything history paints him to be, what do you suppose was the greatest crime he perpetrated upon Christianity and the members of the LDS Church today? Was it his stating that God was once a man, or was it his stating that men and women can become gods and goddesses? Do you think that was his biggest crime? Was it his teaching that Jesus was a created being that was conceived the way um, uh, uh, other children are conceived? Was it the uh, claims that he translated a book that is superior to the Bible from golden plates that were buried in a hill close to his home? Maybe it was polygamy in your opinion, temple rites and rituals, or that he su suggested that he had more to boast of than even Jesus Christ himself. All those things are pretty big things. You take your pick. But from page 210 of I Was a Born Again Mormon, uh, allow me to answer my own question by uh, quoting from my own book. And I usually don't do this if this is the first time you're watching. But this is what I wrote. The greatest disservice Joseph Smith did to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints past, present, and future was not claiming that he saw God, not in publishing the Book of Mormon, and not erecting temples influenced by Freemasonry. Right or wrong, all of those acts can be written off as a young man's attempt to draw people closer to God, to save them from a Christian faith he deemed corrupt, and to help them unify them in a community and family around him. Rather, his most damaging act was his subtle attack on the authority and authenticity of the Bible. 
This act has led hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of innocent people to distrust, distrust, and even mock the Holy Word of God. In spite of Joseph Smith's best intentions, I see him as having committed a grave spiritual and ecclesiastical crime, end quote. There seems to be three main perspectives a person can have today relative to the Bible. The first is that it is full of errant doctrines, that it is mistranslated, it's purposely deceptive, and it is full of the philosophies of men, myths, all right? A second perspective could be that the Bible is an error, but that it's a good piece of literature and God may have influenced some of it and it won't do too much damage if it's taken with a grain of salt and not viewed with too much devotion. In either of these perspectives, Mormonism, Islam, even self-proclaimed prophets who come down the pike, they all have the right to bring forth their own philosophy, say it comes from God, and theirs is just as is viable as whatever the Bible or any Christian sect says. If this is the case, extra-biblical books like the Quran and the Doctrine and Covenants and the New World Translation and the Book of Mormon are all just great, just more revelations from God, and we don't know which ones are really right or wrong, but boy, just it's more and it's good, and that's how it would be. If this is the case, everyone could agree or disagree that Jesus was either a God or just a great teacher, you know, all these things could just fall into the pot and all be right and good. But there is a third perspective I want to address tonight, and that is that the Bible is in fact trustworthy and reliable as the Word of God. This is again a preface to our specifically taking verses that the LDS use from the Bible to support and substantiate their claims to certain doctrines and beliefs. If this is the case, that the Bible is trustworthy, then no extra books are needed, no continuing revelation, no matter how charismatic the prophet was, uh, the word is sufficient to lead all men and women to salvation. Tonight, I hope to help you choose to embrace the Bible as reliable, no matter what religious background you come from, and to help teach you a few things that you can use when Latter-day Saints come to you and say you can't trust the Bible and they give you all their arguments. Last week, I said a general rule for the gospel of Jesus Christ was that the liberals tend to take away from Jesus uh, by saying, and the Bible, Jesus was a good guy argument, and that the cults tend to add to Jesus was good, but there's a lot more you need to have in your life in order to be pleasing to God. Let me add an addendum to this thought. When it comes to the Bible, both the liberals and the cultists diminish its importance and rewrite its meanings. They always have. All right. The Bible defends itself against these attacks. Let me take a minute and let's examine what it says about it. And if you'd like, get a pencil and a pen. If you are trying to understand how to explain to your neighbors why you trust the Bible, I'm going to give you some reasons and some questions at the end that you can ask. You should ask yourself and ask your Mormon neighbors that will help them say, wait a minute, maybe the Bible is more than I have long held it to be. First of all, the Word of God has been around a long, long time. Psalms 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever his word is settled in heaven. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. 
Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, bringing it to a New Testament context, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, Jesus's words, shall not pass away. Peter, one of the Lord's apostles, wrote in 1 Peter 1.25, But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Listen to these descriptives. Listen to the words that are being used here. The word endures forever. Jesus said, my words. He was a human on this earth. He said, my words. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. My words shall not pass away. And then there's people who try to tell you that, it's, that they have, that they've been removed by men, that you can't trust this, that the words have, in fact, passed away. Do you know what God himself said about his words? Do you know what he related them to? He holds them in higher esteem, his word. He holds his words in higher esteem than his own name. We have commandments that say, do not take the name in vain, name of God in vain. And the scriptures say he holds his own, his word above his own name. That's in Psalms 138 too. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That's how important his word is. What does the Bible say the word of God is and what does it say it promises to do? It says the word of God is inspired. Second Timothy, talking about the Old Testament, says... All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. He was speaking of the Old Testament because there wasn't a new then. But if it's in our scripture and if this was spoken of by the Holy Spirit, which it was, then we know that it's pertaining to the New Testament too. All scripture is for doctrine. All right. 2 Peter 1.21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Men didn't do this, this uh, Peter said. This was one of the Lord's apostles upon this rock. This guy said, It didn't come by the will of man. He said, But holy men of God spake as it were, moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Says it furnishes a light. Jeremiah says the word of God is a crushing hammer. Why do you think he calls it that? Because when you read it and you're under condemnation of it, it crushes you. It brings you and makes you a powder so then God can reform you. People don't like crushing hammers in their life. They like to be pacified with doctrines that tickle their ears and make them feel like everything is okay. So they take the word and they change it to suit their needs. All right, we'll talk about that in a second. Hebrew 4.12 says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. It gets between the bones and marrows, and it, and it makes us see and discerns between all truth and error. Ephesians says that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, that this word of God is the sword of the Spirit, all right? Now, I'm going to make a statement here, which is more and more being debated by the uh, Mormon defenders of the faith, by the LDS apologetic community. And the statement is, is the Bible is not considered an equal among their canon. The LDS hold the Book of Mormon as superior in translation and content to the Bible. Joseph Smith if he never had a Book of Mormon, a Doctrine and Covenants, or a Pearl of Great Price, would never have condemned the Bible. But because he needed his book to take more of a place in these people's hearts, he had to say, here's the Book of Mormon. The Bible can't be trusted completely. Do you understand what he did? 
Listen to a few quotes that have come from LDS leaders regarding the Bible. In fact, can someone hand me a born-again Mormon book? I have some quotes in there I forgot to put in here. The Bible has always been considered an unreliable source of truth for uh, the LDS. Let me give you, first of all, in the Book of Mormon itself, Joseph Smith condemns the Bible. Listen to a few more things, all right? You ready? This is from the first presidency in 1992. The most reliable way to measure the accuracy of any biblical passage, the accuracy of any biblical passage, is not by comparing different texts, but by comparison with the Book of Mormon and modern-day revelations. What they said here is if you have a problem with a text in the Bible, you go to the Book of Mormon and to modern day revelations where men said, God told me this is the truth, and you listen to them, and that will give you clarity of what the Bible says, not the different texts, all right? Orson Pratt, he said, add all this imperfect information to the uncertainty of the translation, and who in his right mind could for one moment suppose the Bible in its present form to be a perfect guide? Who knows that even one verse of the whole Bible has escaped pollution so as to convey the same sense that it did in the original? I have quotes in here from McConkie who totally decimates the reliability of the Bible, saying that men, evil men, came in, came in corrupt and they infiltrated stuff into the Bible so that you would be misled and lose, he says, lose your salvation. The general LDS attitude toward the Bible is readily manifest with the missionaries. If you don't believe the things I'm telling you, ask the missionaries over to your home and then begin to give them verses from the Bible and tell them to explain this or that. And in the end, if you know your stuff and you know your Bible, they will ultimately come to some kind of attitude that says, in effect, well, you can't trust that thing. That's bottom line. And it is in and through every fiber of every active Latter-day Saint because that is what you learn. The study of the Bible, that we'll probably get a call tonight. We're, read, we're studying the Bible in church this year. What that means is they teach Mormonism through the Bible. They read through passages that support Mormonism, and they focus on those, and they skip over volumes of information that does not. You have to understand what they've done. So in light of what the Bible says of God's Word, what have the predominant LDS views of the Bible why did Jesus, let me ask you, quote, let me ask you these questions. Why did Jesus quote from the Old Testament, which was older to him in his day in many respects than the New Testament is to our modern day scholars? Why did Jesus trust the word of God? Why when Satan came to him and tempted him, he prefaced every comment with, it is written, it is written, it is written. That the, the manuscripts that came to Jesus were, had gone through probably just as many changes and, and alterations as the New Testament have to us. Why did Jesus trust it? And you can't? Every time Satan asks him the question, he says, it is written. And that brings me to the second question. Why did God tell men to write? if he wasn't able to bring forth their writings as reliable and trustworthy. God, who is omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, who knows the beginning and the end, who has no time, he is having these guys spend their time writing as a, just a, a vacant activity, like a teacher assigning some empty essay because she wants to keep the class busy. God knows they're going to be lost. No. 
God who balances this universe from the subatomic level all the way up to the vastness expanding uh, cosmos, that God can bring forth his word that never, ever goes away. And he did. And it's called the Bible. And yet you disparage it. Listen to what it says. For some things were written aforetime, were written for our learning. Who said that? Romans says that. Paul says that. The things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Of the scriptures we have the hope. That brings us to Jesus. John, 1 John 5.31, John the Beloved wrote, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. He says he wrote these things so you can know you have eternal life. And the LDS say you can't trust these words. They've been translated incorrectly. It's just a damnable thing. It's the worst thing Joseph Smith ever introduced into his, his theology is that the Bible can't be trusted. It's, it's horrible. It brings me to another question. What does the Bible say about the words that Jesus himself spoke? Okay, and let me finish with that. John 6, 63 says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, this is Jesus, they are spirit and they are life. Did Jesus just come and save the people who were within the sound of his voice when he talked? No, but he says, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And that means these words that he's speaking are going to be recorded by the Holy Spirit and they're going to be passed down from that point forward and we have them and can trust them. If not, then the words were just to save those people at that place and time. Do you get that? John 14, 23, 24, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode in him. He that loveth me, keepeth, loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. How can we keep his words? How can we show him that we love him by keeping his words if we don't have his words? Or if his words can't be trusted? Why would he say all this? 1 John 2, 3, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. How can we keep his commandments if we don't have them in full? God, Jesus says this stuff and then we don't have the commandments. Finally, Romans 10, uh, Romans 10, 13 through 17. I'm not going to read it all, but read that because what it does is it summarizes. Why would a person or group come out and say you can't trust the Bible? Because if they can get a searching person who wants to know God to say the Bible can't be trusted, they can get that searching person to believe them. And that's what they want. If I wanted to create my own cult, if I wanted you to start paying me the money and be dedicated to Sean McCraney's religion, I, I would, the first thing I would do is say, don't trust this thing and let me tell you why. It's full of errors. Look at all these contradictions. And I would build on that. And then once you started believing me there, then I'd start giving you the words you needed to trust. And then you'd listen to me and then I'd get you believing in me. And then you'd start paying your money and start giving your service and believe in all the junk I said the word is what you trust, not me, not Gordon B. Hinckley, not Joseph Smith, the word, period. All right, let's open up the phones, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. The lines are full, 
but just keep calling and you'll break through a line. Make sure if you're uh, LDS, you let them know. We want first time callers, have a question or a statement that's succinct and let's get into it and talk about it. Mormonism, as we wait for the callers, faces a paradoxical situation because on one hand, they have made all the people not trust the Bible. And yet on the other hand, they use the Bible and they use these esoteric passages to support some of their most insane doctrinal claims. It would be like standing in a, a reputable doctor's office and saying, this doctor is the biggest quack on earth. By the way, could you diagnose this and tell me if it's cancer or not? Do you see what they're doing? They're saying this book can't be trusted, but then they'll use that when they go door to door with their missionaries to get people to think they believe it and trust it until they get them in there and then they introduce all the other books of scripture and practices and rights that are necessary for them. We are going to George on line one. George, you're on Heart of the Matter. John, what's up? How you doing, man? Not a lot. Hey, you're a heretic. You must be clan. Perfect. Starting off well. That was George representing the LDS faith. And I am a heretic, musty clam. LDS, it, with all the control uh, features that you have in the church to keep people's minds and actions controlled, can't you do something about these callers? I mean, is there some kind of program you can have about teaching uh, people to be nice on the phone on live call-in shows? Come on, let's step it up. All right, lines are full. We're operators are going through a couple uh, emails. This is from Alice. She writes, this is really, really good. We Christians ba because we are sheep, not because we want to be sheep. We Christians do good works because we are Christian, not because we want to become Christian. You like that? Yeah, I like that. I thought that was excellent. And this is from Claire. This is a sweet uh, email. It says, I am an eighth grader trying to witness to my friends who are Mormon. I had a very big debate today about the Trinity. <laughs> An eighth grader debating the Trinity. Claire, you are just a doll. God the, and then she wrote in a parenthetical reference, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So she let me know who the Trinity was. I keep telling them that God is three in one person, but they keep saying that the only God the Father is God, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are God's little helpers, so to speak. They also say, how can God be his own father? And I tell them that it's just another mind-boggling fact about God. He can do anything right, but they won't let up. How do, do you have any advice on how to witness to them? I do, Claire. I, I do, I do, Claire. Um, and what I would suggest is that if they bring up the idea of God again, that you say something like, can you explain and just figure out some very difficult thing? Can you explain index arbitrage? I use that because that's about the stock market and that's something I understand that's complex. Do you understand index arbitrage? And they'll say no. And then say, well, how do you, as a human being in eighth grade, think that you can stand here on the playground and explain God to me? God who is just not comprehensible. And I wouldn't talk to them about those issues. Because the Trinity is something that a finite mind is going to have a hard time putting in. Now, there's a lot of explanations. We'll have people email us and tell us all kinds of examples you can use. And some of those might help. That you look at water and it takes on three different forms. It can be liquid. It can be a solid like ice. And it can be a vapor like gas. And those are three. They're all water, but they're all in different forms. All of them being God. Those type of things sometimes help. But as you get older and you start talking with people who are a little bit more 
deceptive or whatever, those things get difficult. I would witness to them, Claire, by just loving them and being the best girl you can be with Jesus and talk about the Lord and what he's done for you, okay? So uh, there is my answer to Claire. We are going to Daryl in West Valley. Daryl, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes. Um, Joseph Smith said the Book of Mormon was the most perfect book ever written. Uh, why... Why did he change it so much? Why has there been over 1,000 ch ch changes if that is the most perfect book written? That's a great uh, question, uh, Derek. I don't know, except for the fact that the LDS will respond that most of those changes were grammatical. That is not the case. And again, it, so I won't have to try to go through a, long a laundry list from my weak memory if you go to utlm.org, I'm talking to, not necessarily to you, Derek, but to, uh, to Daryl, but to the people out in the audience. Go to utlm.org and just re look at changes in the Book of Mormon, and you'll be astounded at the doctrinal changes that have occurred in the Book of Mormon. Now, let me also bring one other thing up in a comparison. We did a show on the comparison between the Bible and the Book of Mormon in 2006, but let me just bring up a, a, a something that's important to know. The Bible was written by men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit over 1,500 years. Many of these men, most of these men, did not know each other. And yet, when that collection of books came together, we have an inspired version that supports and does not contradict. All right? So when you take that and then you take one author and they say that that's superior, I'm sorry, but I disagree completely. But it's a really good call, and, uh, and that's a great question, Daryl. That's absolutely true. Thanks so much for your call. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. We're going to Joe, Joe in Boise, Idaho. Joe, you're on Heart of the Matter. How are you? I'm doing well, Joe. How are you? Good. I was calling with a couple quick questions. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was just wondering if you belong to a church. And then... Uh, I was wondering if you've done anything other than talk about Mormonism. Okay. Let, let, let me answer your two questions and, and see if you have anything else. Uh, I belong to the Church of Jesus Christ, which is a body of believers. And there are people who live in India, and there are people who live in Africa and down the street, and I'm a member of that church where their body makes up the church. I don't belong to any denomination. I do pastor at a, a church here in Salt Lake called Lord's Word, non-denominational. All people of all beliefs are invited to attend. Have I done anything in, on the shows to do anything besides talk about Mormonism? Yes, we have a show that's called The Infallible Word. And on that show, I teach the Bible verse by verse, and we're almost through the book of John. I don't talk about Mormonism at all uh, there. And very rarely at the church do I ever talk about Mormonism. This show is specifically to talk about Mormonism relative to biblical Christianity. Does that help? Hey, well, that was basically my questions. Okay, Joe, I really appreciate the call. And hey, we're going to be out in Boise next month. Why don't you come and see me? Where at? Well, uh, you'll get the announcement on the shows in the next few weeks, but we're going to be in uh, Nampa, Denny's on Monday, February 3rd. All right, brother. Peace, man. Take care. Bye-bye.
I like it when people say peace, man, when they're hanging up. There's got to be something nice about old Joe. All right, we're going to Trevor in Ogden. Trevor, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Joe, how you doing? This no, is Joe, right? No, I'm Sean. Oh, sorry. You're a fraud in a musty clan. <laughs> More. You, you always know that. You almost always know when they're going to do it. Partially because they're uh, limited in their ability to communicate. You know, they forget who they're talking to. <laughs> so, uh, all right, on we go. We're going to Michael, who's LDS. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how are you doing today, Sean? I'm doing well. How are you? You got to turn your TV down, brother. Oh, I'm doing all right. I just have one question for you. I'm just wondering, like, okay. Michael, you... turn your TV down. Oh, sorry. It's all right. How do you get off uh, judging other people's religion? I believe if we believe in God, we have the right to believe in God in the way we want to, right? Yes, you do. So I just, I'm just trying to understand what the big problem is. I mean, I don't have a problem. My, my father-in-law is Presbyterian. Uh, his dad is Seventh-day Adventist. I, I don't believe there should be a set religion. It, it, it's all on the individual, I believe. All right, well, let me, let me give the answer relative to what the doctrines are and the practices, Michael. First and foremost, while you might believe that that's okay, that your father-in-law is Presbyterian and things, Mormonism teaches that it's not okay, and they will not live in the celestial kingdom with God if they, are, if they die a believing Presbyterian and stick to those beliefs. That's one thing. So your beliefs, while liberal, are very different from the Mormon doctrines of the, of the, of the, and the tenets of the church. The second thing is, is there, there's some criticism possibly in your comment about me picking on the Mormon church. You know, why not let just everybody believe as they want to believe? But the Mormon church sends out 50,000 missionaries every day of every year knocking on people's doors. And when they knock on those doors, they ask them if they can present to them some discussions. And in those discussions, they tell them that Joseph Smith, when he was 14 years old, saw God the Father who told them that the churches were an abomination and that their creeds were corrupt and their pastors were were not to be believed, in essence. That's a paraphrase. And so they continue door to door to send this message out that actually drives a wedge between all believers in Christ. I am simply stepping back and doing the same thing, but on a television show. Does that help? It, it does. And, you know, and I, I agree with you to an extent. I mean, I, ha I did grow up in the LDS religion. I do not agree with some things they do. However, I do believe that it's a personal right to choose how we believe in our own God. Well, I believe it's a right too, Michael, and that's why you don't see me armed in a flak jacket and a machine gun trying to take them out. <laughs> but I will go after them as far as a dialogue goes. And again, let me say this, Michael, I invite, openly invite, from Bob Millett to anybody sitting in the tower down the street on, on, on North Temple, any one of them, an official representative, to come and sit at this table and let's talk. You, I, I throw this out for two years, we've thrown this out, have not had one taker, not one. And so I openly invite any official representative to sit here at the table and let's discuss these things and have them give us an official proclamation that Sean McCraney, you're wrong on this topic. And, I'll, and, and if they can say that officially, then I'll step back and I'll, I'll admit it. Does that help? It does. And, you know, I... Hey, I don't have a problem with you, and, you know, that's not one thing I was calling about. I was just under, trying to understand, you know, maybe the whole religion day. I just wanted to point out, I mean, yeah. different beliefs for different religions. It's a good point, man. Thanks so much for calling. All right, thank you. Okay, see ya. Hey, you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Michael is a nice guy. 
All right, let's go to Nelson in Salt Lake City. I think it's line three. Nelson, you're on Heart of the Matter. Thank you. You're welcome. You're on the air. All right. Um, first off, I appreciate you and your courage for standing up and speaking the truth. Thanks, Nelson. Well, when I open my Bible, I can read about different cities and places, and I can turn to a map in the back and, and see where these places are. Where is Zarahemla, where is Bountiful, Nephi, and all these cities that are talked about in the Book of Mormon? They're not. They're not. And, it's a, and I understand your question, and it's a poignant uh, qu question and point. Where are the maps in the back of the Book of Mormon? They don't have any. They used to. <laughs> they took them out. They took them out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, that, that farms down there at BYU, that bastion of intellectual superiority, is coming out with all kinds of spin, like maybe it's in, in uh, China now or the Philippines. They have all kinds of stuff spinning out of control. But the story that I cut my teeth on as a primary, believing primary kid, of the golden plates here in the Americas and the Book of Mormon being the American Indians. Talk to me. Uh-huh. Yep. It's, uh, it's it all, all ended at the Hill Cumorah. Yep, all ended at the Hill Cumorah, right there in the United States of America. All of that's changing. Why, the church owns that property. Why don't they dig it up and prove it? Throw down that gauntlet. You know, I, I would love to see it. That's all it would take for them to. But for some reason, they won't do it. They won't do it because it's not there. Yep. Well, and thank they, you. And, uh, and, and yet... You know, I used to be a Mormon, too. What are you now? I haven't joined anything yet. Uh, well, don't join anything except just worshiping the Lord, reading the Bible, and oh. and, uh, and growing. Excellent. Well, that's good news. If you're ever looking for a good church, email us, and we'll we'll give you a recommendation to, in, in your area. Uh, right here in the Avenue, Salt Lake. I can walk to the Salt Lake Temple. Wow. Well, p pass there and just keep walking to the Gateway Theaters on Sunday mornings at 9:15. We'd love to see you. Okay. All right, man. Take care. All right. Bye, bye. Bye. Okay, we are going to April and Saratoga Springs on the famous line four. Sarah, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, this is April. Oh, hi, April. <laughs> hi. Um, I, I left the LDS Church 18 months ago, and I became a Christian six months ago, and now I'm finally starting to just get the confidence up to start teaching my friends and family about um, the real Jesus Christ. Awesome. And I noticed that you're talking about the Bible, uh, the specific verses in the Bible yeah. um, that show how Jesus and, the God, and God feel about the Bible. But right. um, I noticed that, you know, my friends and family, they just don't believe those. And so where can they go to um, just find the historical accuracy, find documentation of its historical accuracy? Okay, uh, let me give you a couple books they could consider. If they're searchers, it will help. If they're seeking uh, to dispute, they can read all the books in the world and it's not going to help them. But if someone truly is searching, Norman Geisler, anything that Norman Geisler writes on the Bible is great stuff. There's a more simplistic book written by an author named Josh McDowell. That it's called Evidence Demands a Verdict 1 and 2. And uh, th that gives up plenty of evidence to support the authenticity and the inerrancy of the Bible. Um, you can also go and download for free eSword, uh, which is a free software that you can load on your laptop or home PC. And eSword is a phenomenal resource 
of volumes of books and commentaries, the languages that you can use to ex study and examine the Bible. Those are three places I would start. It'll take probably a lifetime to get through them. And, and, and as you continue to hear, one thing that's really important to understand, April, is that if you have not been born again or, or God has not touched your eyes so that you can see and hear, when people read this book, they aren't going to get it. And it's just, it's a night and day thing. And so sometimes when LDS read it, they will not experience and see the same things you do. And so that's important to know when it comes to your patience and long suffering with them and really try to help them to understand the Lord as they examine the Bible. So then what, what would you suggest as far as starting to talk to them about it? I would uh, just talk to them about their relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do they understand that how they are saved? And I would talk to them about salvation and, and maybe open up Romans in the Bible and talk to them about verses that says you are saved by grace uh, not of man, uh, not of your works, lest any man should boast. And all these verses that talk about Jesus, when he said it is finished, he did the finished, complete work on the cross for us. And there is nothing they can do. You can ask them questions like, do you realize that if you die today, that you're going to live with God? And they might, will probably say if they're active LDS, well, I hope so, or I'm trying to. And they never have the peace that can come with spiritual rebirth that Jesus offers them. And so that is the thing you want to get them to understand is their total need for Jesus. Listen, do you, have you read uh, the book that we send out? Uh, no. Which one would that be? Oh, stay on the line and we'll send you a book called I Was a Born Again Mormon. And, um, it, oh, you know, I, I bought your book from Lighthouse Ministries. Oh, you did? I did. Excellent. Uh, did you read the first 117 pages? I haven't read it yet. It's number three on my list. How dare you? How dare you? It should be one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, April. Listen, that might help LDS because it's written specifically for them to understand the differences between the LDS Jesus and the Mormon Jesus in a very non-threatening way. Okay. All right. Thanks so much for the call. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. We're going to John in West Valley. John, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, uh, just a quick comment. On last week's show, you told someone that your name was Joe. I know damn well who I'm calling, Musty Clam. So that was his revenge, his revenge. He made a fool of himself last week, and he just did it again. All right, uh, we're going to Scotty and Roy, a word I can't say. Scotty, you're on Heart of the Matter. How are you doing tonight, Sean? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. appreciate you taking the time for me. Oh, yeah. Question for you. Yes. Being raised LDS like I have been my whole life, uh, and my whole family's LDS, Man, I uh, sat down for the first time, took the religion seriously, threw away all my R-rated movies, you know, uh, quit drinking, and uh, sat down with the missionaries, and they laid out the whole program for me. And I looked at it, and to me, you know, and I'm not very educated, it was completely ego-based, and, and uh, I just couldn't believe that it would be that, um, that, that we would believe that... Gosh, I'm trying to trying to catch my words here. It's all right. You're doing well. Um, that it would be that small and that we would be judged like that. And I looked at the whole picture and I thought, and I prayed about it, and I thought, you know what? This does not feel right to me. And before your program, I broke away from the from the church completely, and I and I and I love Jesus. I accept Him as my Savior. Awesome. 
and I look at my family and I look at these educated people and how could they, what happens? How could they believe in something that's that close-minded? Well, Scotty, you, uh, you know, for all your R-rated movie watching and alcoholic consumption, you have a, a good, uh, you have some good insights, man, because bottom line, it is ego-based. Joseph Smith was an egomaniac and the theology was centered around that and you saw through it. And I think bottom line, you know, it provides, the system provides some hope for some supernatural glory on their part. And the earthly system is such a good club to belong to that they just go along with it and they like it and it's tantalizing to their ears, but it is not the truth. And so you've seen, you have seen that Jesus is the, the way and that's, that was, I mean, and you just compare that guy that you read about in the Bible with the one in the system they're trying to push off to you. Oh, man, absolutely. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I just it, to, be, to be free from that has been the most liberating thing in my whole life. I had the missionaries come over um, this week, and I didn't know how to... I told them, I said, I'll be glad for you guys to come over and we'll discuss things. I'm not... I don't have the ammunition to sit down with them, and I don't want to offend them. And I, you know, my whole family is LDS, and I love them all and embrace them. But uh, for me, what a... For anybody that's Mormon out there, the the freedom to accept Jesus as your Savior and to move forward in life and be free from, you know, I am a sinner. Every day I pray and say, I'm a sinner. I accept you as my Lord Lord and Savior. You know, just help me make decisions to, you know, to, to love one another. And, man, it's just unbelievable. If I have a cup of coffee, I don't feel guilty. You know, if I'm having a beer on Sunday, I don't, you know, it's just amazing. So <laughs> bless a... you. I appreciate all your work. And Hey, Scotty, this is a great call. Because I, I just sense it through your call, the honesty and the relief that you've experienced through Jesus and nothing else. Amen. I'll, I'll be doing a lot more research. I'd love to be uh, to have some ammunition for these guys. I called them up and said, hey, I love you guys. I'll pray for you. I uh, can't have you come over. Because when they left that day, I just felt sick. Yeah. Stomach, you know, all that poisoning. Yeah. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. So, hey, God bless you. I appreciate you. Thanks, Scotty. God bless you. Okay. Bye-bye. That was a great call. Let's go to Michael in Ogden. Michael, you're in Heart of the Matter. Okay. Thanks. You got to turn your TV down, Michael. I got it down. All right, man. You're on the air. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay, I got, I got off, though. Okay, I've got, I'm going to throw some questions at you really, really fast. Okay. And uh, I, I want you to, uh, your memory, I know that great memory you have, even though you shaved that beard off. All right. Uh, the first one is... Um, Okay, the guy, the person talking earlier about different faiths. Okay, I believe in you know getting along with different faiths and things like that. But um, you know, it does. Uh, you know, the Bible clearly says, uh, "No one comes to the Father but through me or by yeah. me." Yeah. Um, Christ said that. And also, um, you know, he 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 uh, talked about marriage. You know, they talk about celestial marriage. They told me that that's the only way to reach the highest exaltation. You know, yeah. the church. And. Um, he talked about marriage, and he spoke, you know what verse I'm talking about, when they came to him and tried to trick him, the Pharisees, yeah. Jesus, they came to him and um, talked to him, okay, and uh, he, he made it clear, he said, well, you know, some choose not to be married, some become eunuchs, and some um, uh, become eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom, and uh, so he said, there are none married in heaven, you'll be like angels, Yeah. so that's clear, Yeah. Um, so those are the ones that I wanted to throw out, you well, know. It's all good stuff, man. Huh? It's all good. It's all they're all good comments. Yeah, I know, appreciate I just it. Wanted, uh, other viewers to, like me to hear them. And by the way, like you said, uh, the called out ones, the uh, church itself, it just meant you know the ecclesia. 
And um, and it gives me the assembly, the called out ones. Amen. Okay, bud, you take care and grow that beard back. I will. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. I shouldn't have said I will. I'll get in trouble for that. We're uh, going to, uh, let's see what we have here. We're going to Travis in Nephi. Travis, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, you're a musty clam. Perfect. Is that a compliment? Are you going to ask a question? No, that was number four tonight. They're really out tonight. Uh, we're going to Doug and Bountiful. Doug, you're on uh, KTMW TV 20, Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hey, this call is just to uh, tell April of, of one book that uh, I found to be very helpful in, uh, in uh, giving to people who are coming out of Mormonism and proving the uh, value and truth of the Bible, and okay. it's called What Everyone Should Know About the Bible. Okay. V. Gilbert Beers, that's B-E-R-S. I think I gave you a copy. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. Doug, that's an... Share that with you. Excellent comment, because that is a great book, and I enjoy it very much. All right. All right, Doug, thanks. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We have one more call, and I'm sorry we are out of time. It's Alex and Payson. Alex, call back next week. Listen, if you don't have a computer and you can't email us and tell us about your experience of watching the show and coming to know the Lord... Can you call the station and just give us your name and tell us and give us a contact number that we can call you back? That would be uh, at 801-973-8820. And uh, you can ask for Michelle and she will take your information. And uh, again, it will be confidential between now me and you and Michelle and me and you. So, or you can also leave a message. She's the only one who gets them if you're worried about your uh, confidentiality. Listen, uh, pastor in the pub tonight. Denny's on 5th South, 250 West in downtown uh, Salt Lake City. Would love to see you there. And listen, uh, we hope if you haven't found a church that you feel comfortable in, or if you are angry at religion, if you've left organized religion, if Mormonism has beaten you up, if you have a serious coffee habit you're uh, embarrassed about, or like to have a beer or a cigarette, or like to wear Levi's to church, or whatever it is, we welcome you to come to Lord's Word. And that's Sunday mornings, 9.15 to 10.15, one hour at the Gateway Theaters. Comfortable seating, and we go through the Bible, and we talk about it verse by verse. And you'll learn the Bible. Uh, I can promise you that. So come and join us there. We worship. We, uh, we pray together. And then we have some fellowship thereafter. So, again, Pastor in the Pub tonight at uh, Denny's on 5th South. And next week, we're going to start getting into specifics. And next week, we are going to talk about the pre-existence and the biblical verses Mormon missionaries and Mormons use to support this notion of a pre-existence for human beings. I think it's going to be a fun show. God bless you. We'll see you next week.